Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. I'm Ladyboy Chi-Chi, and I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. And tonight our topic is on sex and gender. And it's a very complex subject, actually. Sex is pretty much defined as what we're born with. The doctor announces, oh, it's a boy or a girl, so we're assigned a sex. And in our culture, it's usually binary. Gender is how we feel. Sometimes we don't feel like we are the sex that we were assigned to. And that can be kind of confusing. <laughs> I know I went through a lot of confusion growing up. When I was younger, I thought, I don't really feel like a real boy. Even though I had a cock and everyone told me I was a boy, but they also kept saying, oh, you, you need to be more manly. You need to man up. <laughs> I was more of an effeminate male, I think. And it turned out later I discovered I was intersex. And so I wasn't a real boy. I was somewhere in between. <laughs> it gets really complex because when we're first conceived in the womb, we're start all start out as female and then a process called differentiation occurs 
and it's controlled by hormones and by our genes and chromosomes and a whole lot of factors come into play that determine what our sex is. I think there's really more than two sexes. Mm -hmm. There's, and I think just having intersex babies proves there's more than two. But even beyond that, there's people that are born different, even non-intersex. I've heard of a female that was born without a vagina. She was female in every other sense, but she didn't have a vagina. So what does that make her? I mean, how do we really define what is a boy, what is a girl? Any thoughts, Paul? Yeah. So there's a lot of different intersex conditions. People get confused because intersex isn't just one thing. It's actually many, many different things can cause an intersex baby. There's the form of intersex where... Like chromosomally, you were male, but your body can't use testosterone. So you seem on the outside like a woman, even though your genes are XY. And then the opposite thing happens where you have XX chromosomes, but your body can't process estrogen. And so you wind up hyper-masculine, even though you have XX genes. There are people that are born XXY or just X or in any number of things. There's not just one way to be intersex. Yeah. And from a psychological perspective, even all my neuropsychs that I took for being dyslexic and ADHD really mapped out my brain as a little bit more feminine than masculine. And I showed pat thinking patterns that were more feminine. And it's kind of intriguing because we often think that sex is this one, all males are the same and all females are the same. And there can be quite a large variety, especially on how the brain is wired. And there can be people that are a little bit more androgynous. And so what does that make them? Because I don't think sex is just the things between our legs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it goes deeper than that. Yeah. And then, of course, there's gender, which is how you feel inside. There's as many ways to be gender nonconforming as there are gender nonconforming people in the world. What makes me feel like non-binary looks different than other people. There, I feel very strongly like masculine parts of my personality, and I feel very strongly feminine parts of my personality. And then there are some people that don't feel either particularly strongly, like they might describe themselves as agender. I tend to be gender fluid, where like I go between feeling more masculine some of the times and more feminine some of the times, and going along that. 
there are people that feel like they always inhabit both masculine and feminine things. And again, like I said, people who don't feel particularly tied to their masculine side or their feminine side. And of course, there's binary transgendered people, AFAB people who realize that they're men and AMAB people who realize that they're women. Uh, for those who don't know, AFAB stands for assigned female at birth and AMAB stands for assigned male at birth. But even taking to trans women, their experience of like transness can be very, very different from each other. And then like another thing is there's a difference between your gender and your gender expression. Like gender is like how you feel internally and gender expression is how you communicate your gender externally. I know a lot of like trans girls that have like embraced their like tomboy side, but they feel completely like a woman, even though their gender expression might lead you to think that they're non-binary. And sometimes I'm in a mode where I feel like expressing myself as hyper-feminine even if that day I don't feel particularly feminine. Sometimes I like to get dolled up when I don't feel very feminine to kind of like kickstart that in me. So there's there's lots of different things around gender and gender expression and sex, and like they're all different things. And I'd like to go back to the differentiation process because it really illustrates how complex sex is. When we're first conceived, like I said, we all start out female. And there are certain processes that occur and there's a process that has to occur within the right timing. If it comes too early or too late, then things get mixed up. <laughs> it doesn't work right. And so hormone releases and testosterone especially, if it's released a little too early in the fetal development, that can throw things off. Or if it comes a little too late, there's this one little window. It's got to be right timing. There's so many different intersex conditions where things get thrown off. And so it's partly made up with hormones, determined by hormones, partly by our genes, and partly by just a number of factors. How our cells react to either testosterone or to estrogen. Many things can misfire or not mm -hmm. work as to make a man or a woman. And I think of sex as this, you t start out female, let's say female is pink, and then you add a little bit of blue to make a male. And you keep adding more and more blue, but there's always going to be a little bit of pink in there. 
And even a lot of women have some masculine characteristics because women, most women, have testosterone to some degree or another. And so there can be this blending. And, and I think of sex as more of a spectrum than a binary or even a three-way thing. But any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, so, like, our relationship to the biology that we're born under, like, lots of people feel lots of different ways about it. There are trans people that have extreme gender dysphoria, where, and for those who don't know, gender dysphoria is the, the, like uncomfortable feeling of like being in a body that is not the way you feel internally. And a lot of people who are transgendered have really extreme gender dysphoria. And then sometimes you get lucky and you don't have extreme gender dysphoria. I happen to be lucky and don't experience a lot of it myself. It's really interesting. There are pockets of the transgender community that can get, can like gatekeep, like, oh, if you don't experience extreme gender dysphoria, then you can't be transgender. There's a debate in a lot of trans circles. It seems like most people these days agree that you can be transgender without feeling extreme gender dysphoria you know i i can attest to that because i am transgender and i don't experience extreme gender dysphoria and i think a lot of that comes from people feeling cheated because if they experience really bad gender dysphoria like they they feel a little jealous that people like me don't have to experience the extreme gender dysphoria and it's also like a bid for respectability because they are convinced that if they can convince people that there are valid trans people but you have to fit a, a bunch of criteria that like somehow they'll be able to convince transphobes that they're one of the good ones and i, I think that's really disappointing. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I've, I've experienced gender dysphoria and also, I don't know quite how to label it, but just a lot of anger at the doctors that did surgery without my consent and did mm -hmm. things to my body, especially my genitals as an infant. And I've overcome a lot of that anger and put, redirected it into activism. But it took me many years to work through that. So I know if you're struggling with any type of gender dysphoria, seek out some help. Meet some other trans people or intersex people. There are groups out there and you can find them on the internet. Because it's something you don't have to struggle through alone. I mean, I did, and but it was in a time when 
we didn't have the resources we have today. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really amazing the the world that we're living in where it's so easy to connect with people via the internet. And also there's a lot more acceptance for things these days that there there really wasn't before. Like I think that it's amazing. Like when I went to high school, there were went to a really big high school and there were pockets of out gay people, but there was no one who was openly transgender. Like I know a couple of friends who I still know that like knew that they were trans in high school and they didn't really talk about it back then because they in some cases they didn't have the language and in some cases they were just afraid to be open. And then I have a cousin who is openly transgender and like they're are like other trans kids at their school and they're in middle school. And I think that that's really, really powerful that people are able to learn about themselves so early and that there's still a lot of anger and resentment and fear out there. But there's a lot of people who are starting to wake up and support each other. There's a lot of people who seek out ways to be better allies and learn more. And I think that it's really amazing. Like here in Houston, we have the Montrose Center, which is really good for, like, they're good for, like, counseling and things, but they also have a number of different support groups that that made up there. And there's transgender support groups. There's all sorts of different support groups out there. And if you live in a large city, there's likely to be somewhere in your area that has resources for meeting people in real life IRL. But even if you're living in a in a like a more rural place through the internet and things like that, you should be able to find some so- sort of a support group or a support base, which I think is really, really powerful. I'd like to kind of turn the topic a little bit and talk a little bit about gender bending and the fluidity of gender, because I know in the bisexual community, that's where I really learned about gender bending and about being able to express my gender more fully. And I think it's a very powerful tool. And I've gone through this experience with some of my girlfriends in the past where they put on a strap on and became the man for a while. And I was a woman for a while. And we do this kind of switch around and explore gender from the other side of gender. It can be a very powerful thing to really experience what it's like to be a different gender. But any thoughts on gender bending? Oh, yeah. I mean, so even before I was aware that I was non-binary, I didn't feel constrained by 
people who said like, oh, that's a girl saying, don't do that. You know, my dad used to grumble at me and like actually get really angry at me that if I had a shirt that buttoned the wrong way, like, oh, that means that's a blouse and it's made for women. Like if my pants buttoned the other way, like, oh, that those are women's pants. And I even wore some skirts when I was younger. And the skirts that I would wear in those days were more like broomstick, like long flowy skirts or sarongs or things like that. And I remember when I was younger, like I really loved it when people would do my makeup and stuff like that. Used to be a cast member of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I would dress up for that all the time. And it was really, like, really healthy, and it felt like a lot of fun. But I remember that what really made me start to question my gender and start to realize that I was non-binary was one day I was over at a friend's house and they gave me a like patent leather skirt and were like, why don't you try this on? And I tried it on and it felt completely different. Like it looked really hot on me and I realized I wanted to be pretty and that I really wanted to like go out and be seen in it. And it really, really like led me down a path that made me realize that I'd been definitely not just a boy the whole time. So like it, it's one of the things that led me down the path of like, like coming to grips with my gender. And I think for me, I remember as a little kid, they always gave me army men and toys that were meant for boys, but I wouldn't play with them like a boy would. <laughs> I made a sandcastle and set up at a little table that I made out of sticks and they have tea parties where little army men would sit around and make tea <laughs> uh, and do things like that. And I got caught at it one time, and they said, no, you're supposed to be more aggressive and have them fighting each other. And I said, why would they want to fight each other? <laughs> mm -hmm. I just didn't get it. I was more into the girly-type play. I know I'm stereotyping here a little bit, but it was kind of a stereotype placed on me in a way. I wasn't supposed to play that way. And even when I played in, in school with other kids, a lot of the boys wouldn't let me in the boys club, all boys club, because I didn't quite react as a boy does. And I was more thought more like a girl, like, oh, the rules aren't as important, it's the relationships that are more important. And so there's a lot of factors that we, and I think some of these kind of social conditionings on male and female, how we're supposed to be, are kind of, I don't know, just 
I don't think they're really natural. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think they're kind of prescribed and a lot of people fit into those roles, but a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this topic in particular is because I think that questioning your gender and questioning who you are is really healthy for pretty much everyone. I know that one of the groups I'm involved in, my friend runs a non-binary meetup for people, and I remember one person coming in and we were all talking and they were like, I'm really, really embarrassed because like I started coming here when I was like questioning my gender, but I think I might be cisgender. And it it was funny because they felt like they had to like come out as as cis to us and everyone was like, no, that's that's awesome. Like you questioned your gender and realized that who you are like that's mm -hmm. something that should be celebrated mm -hmm. and i think that it's really important to question who you are and like i i know that when i started actively questioning my gender i realized how many times i had passively like questioned my gender in the past or thought something of the line along the lines of like wouldn't it be nice if i had been born a girl like uh i oh well like maybe in the next life or something like that and the fact that i did that growing up as a kid constantly like wishing i had been born a girl and being angry that i was born a boy it should have been more of a hint than it was and i think a lot of people who realize that that they're trans later in life have that experience of like once they've like really started like exploring like realize that they've been exploring their gender their whole life they just didn't call it that or didn't really think about it in the same terms and i i do want to say that um, it doesn't matter when a lot of people think that if you haven't transitioned by the time you're 30, it's it's too late. Or if you had been trans, you would have known before you were as old as you are. And that that's complete rubbish. Like, it's never too late to start questioning. Yeah, and I know because of religion and s certain conservative environments, it's hard to question these things openly or even with yourself. And there's a lot of denial sometimes. I mean, my father was a minister and I, I kept thinking maybe I'm an alien <laughs> or a changeling or something, but I, something's wrong here. <laughs> but I couldn't really put my finger on it until I got much older and learned more things. And so I grew up in this kind of feeling of, well, what's wrong with me? And I remember everything, everyone from coaches to principals to my father, 
kept trying to get, make me more of a male. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't male enough. And, well, go fig. I wasn't born a male. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to talk a little bit about the what happens with intersex babies. They get a lot of cosmetic and sexual reassignment surgery that is not medically necessary. And it's definitely not consensual. And it's at the whim of the doctor which way to assign them oftentimes. And I would like to see that stopped. I think... And I've had this discussion many times where people said, well, then they should wait and decide when they're a little bit older, which they want to be. I said, no. Would you have to decide to be a different gender, Mm -hmm. being a male, when you got a little older? Why do I have to? I was born this way. Mm Mm-hmm. I was created this way. Why do? Why are we saying that there's something wrong? It's another gender. It's mm-hmm. another sex being intersex. And so I want to be what I was born to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'd like to just clarify that because so many people get mixed up when it comes to intersex and think, oh, they need to choose a sex. Like their sex isn't right from word go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that's been a really big topic for me for a big part of my life because so many infants, even to this day, are being altered surgically and with later on with hormone therapy mm-hmm. to make them something they're not. Yeah. And I think part of it is this way to enforce monogamy and marriage and enforce this kind of boy meets girl, gets happily married and lives happily ever after and has 2.5 kids. And mm-hmm. and it's like, no, not all of us want to get married or have kids. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah, and like you don't need to be a boy or a girl to get married. Ton- tons of non-binary people get married. Tons mm-hmm. of non-binary people have kids. I think a lot of times the reason people get uncomfortable with non-binary people is not knowing what box to put people in. They know they treat men a certain way. They know they treat women a certain way. And they don't know what to do with you because... You're not one or the other. Yeah. Wow. The time's flying by. We're to station break already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to remind people that we are still running our webinars. We changed it to Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock. And you can sign up for, on our website, ravenslayerleather.com. Mm-hmm. And when you sign up on the forum... It'll automatically send you the Zoom link and an email to the email address you put in. Mm-hmm. And then just show up. And basically, for, on this training series, we're doing body image he- healing. I think it kind of goes in with the subject we're talking about. 
Because if you do experience dysphoria, body image healing can really help out a lot with really questioning and looking at what is beauty and how do we define it and what are some things we can do to really shine out more beautiful in the world. (laughs) Anything you want to add to Station Break? Yeah. There's a few websites that we have. There's ggwilber.com. That's G, the letter G, the letter G, W-I-L-B-U-R.com. That's where GG has the stuff for his sex coaching. If you find that you're getting a lot out of the discussions we have on here, but you want something a little more individual and geared towards individual needs sex coaching can be a good option i know that he has a space for you to sign up for a 15 minute valuation to get to talk to him and see if the chemistry is right and you think that sex coaching might be a good idea for you and then there is ravenslayerleather.com that's r-a-v-e-n-s-l-a-i-r-l-e-a-t-h-e-r.com that's Gigi's main website that's there you can find links to our patreon and there's different resource lists of things that you might be able to get and seek out or if you need like help or like mental health stuff or any number of things what else is on Ravenslayer? basically i've got information on the webinar it's on the videos tab and then i've got oh goodness i forget now it's i just changed it so Mm. it's not as much as used to be on there. That, that's where people can read your blog, right? Or No, that, that's the other website. That's the G.G. Wilbur. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we've also got mm-hmm. ladyboytemple.com, which is my site for what we do in Aphrodite's Temple. And I run Temple for pagan events and for Burning Man events that are here locally or in the Texas area. <laughs> and basically we run, do workshops during the day and adult play at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's got a lot of information about how I put together Aphrodite's temple. It's based on the ancient sex temples mm-hmm. where we embrace the concept that sex is a sacred act, mm-hmm. not a sinful act. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that covers us for station break. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about sex and gender. And any thoughts or where do you want to go next on that? One of the things I would like to bring up, I mentioned that it doesn't matter how old you are when you explore your gender. It also doesn't matter if you weren't right the first time. I know a lot of people who might self-describe as non-binary before realizing that 
they're transmasculine or transfeminine. Or sometimes people think that they might be a trans woman or a trans man, and then later in life realize that they're non-binary. Or any, any number of things. Like, gender is such a complicated thing, and it, it's okay to, to not know. And it's okay to feel different at different times in your life, and at no point does that invalidate your gender. Another area where you can really explore is going to drag shows mm -hmm. where people cross-dress. Mm -hmm. And you don't need surgeries. And if you want to go on stage and cross-dress, get to know some of the people in those bars where they mm -hmm. put on these shows. I've been in shows. It's a group of people that are very into this and very welcoming of others that want to play and mm -hmm. explore gender roles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, doing drag is different from being transgender, and a lot of drag queens and drag kings, they feel cisgender, but they perform as another gender. There are people who are drag queens who are also transgender, so, you know, an AMAB person. And, like, a lot of times people realize later on, like, after they've been doing drag for a while, that one of the reasons they're they feel drawn to like the drag scene is because they are transgender. So it's, it's a safe place to explore your gender and your relationship to gender. But it also shouldn't be assumed that anyone who's a drag performer is transgender because that's not true. Yeah. In fact, I think with all people, it's good to just check in with them. Don't assume anything. Mm -hmm sexual orientation or, or gender identity or anything because it can be it's a such a personal thing and everybody's a little different mm -hmm. yeah and one of the things that's good to do from time to time when you're introducing yourself to someone new even if you think that they are presenting as one particular gender, it's always safe to ask people's pronouns. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had times where I've asked people's pronouns and they were like really excited. There's a thing that some trans people do called stealthing, where if they are born as a woman or born as a guy, they will present as their birth gender, but internally they will feel either non-binary or trans-feminine or trans-masculine. And so if you ask someone who is stealthing what their pronouns are, it tells them that you are a safe person for them to express their gender to. Mm -hmm. I had a thought for a minute. Let's see, what was it? Oh, I think on that topic, it's always good to not assume Mm -hmm. anything with people and get to know them. Mm -hmm. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. And ask in a delicate and sensitive way, but mm -hmm. not in a challenging way. Yeah. But if you do it sensitively, then people love to talk about themselves and about what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. 
and the, most people would be more than happy to share with you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. One really powerful thing is if you find yourself questioning your gender, I think that for me, like what I did is I started like thinking back to when I was a kid and how I felt then. And really common when you're a kid to play like dress up with your mom or dad's clothing and see and not everyone who does that is transgender but i think that the way that that kind of thing made you feel when you were younger is a good indication that something might be up i also know that after i started to like realize that i was trans, I would talk to my brother and supportive people in your life who knew you when you were a kid and see if people ever thought anything or like had questions about you growing up, things like that. A lot of times people will question whether like the kid's gay if they're like gender non-conforming. <laughs> and sometimes it's not that you were gay, but that you were trans, or maybe you wind up gay because you're a woman and like women, even though you were born as a boy. But it's like asking those people who knew you when you were younger questions can be really good for exploring your gender. And also, like, depending on the kind of life that you lead, if it is safe for you, to try wearing a dress dress out in public. See how that makes you feel. If you're living in somewhere rural and, you know, that wouldn't be a healthy thing to do, get get dressed up in your in the privacy of a bathroom and look at yourself in the mirror. How does it make you feel? And I know that for me, like as I was really exploring my gender, I really started like noticing when I was feeling feminine. I wanted to listen to a lot of pop music and like K-pop and like girl singer music. And then I use that now as a way to induce these feelings in me because I really like to do things that feel uh, balanced. Like I'll like work out while listening to like girly pop music or like all like do my makeup while like listening to really like really aggressive like metal music because that makes me feel more masculine so like having these ways to kind of slip into like whatever makes you feel comfortable is is really really healthy to to learn i'd like to jump in and say that for men it's a little harder to cross dress because it stands out so much more whereas women have been wearing men's clothes for many many years now it's a lot more accepted mm -hmm. and it doesn't really imply anything mm-hmm you could be just a woman that enjoys wearing men's clothes because they're more comfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Any number of things. But 
so it's a little bit more it doesn't stand out as much when a woman wears men's clothes mm-hmm. and i wanted to kind of say that because it's it's something that's maybe a little confusing for women listening in on the show because how does a woman cross dress mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's some ways you can really go mm-hmm. go to town with it but but oftentimes it's so kind of part of a woman's life to be able to wear men's clothes mm-hmm. that it doesn't seem that big a deal. Yeah. It's big a deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of wanted to point that out because it is a little different for a boy to be more feminine. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that I've noticed, and I've talked to my partner, Jay, about this, for men to be girly, it's seen as a step down in power. Mm-hmm. Whereas for a woman to be more manly, it's looked at as a step up in power. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, it's like, why would you want to give up power? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I also think that one of the things that I got a lot out of like starting to question my gender is as I explored it more and more I really felt more at home in myself I felt a lot more peaceful I felt a lot less angry I felt spiritually a lot better I felt a a lot less emotional turmoil like emotionally I got a lot better all of these things. And sometimes when you've been in a funk and things aren't going well in your life emotionally or spiritually, especially if you self-medicate with lots of alcohol or weed to just basically avoid your life, it, it might be an indication that you might want to like explore your gender a little bit. Because I think living in a way that you feel that something is wrong but you can't quite put your finger on it it can really really mess you up and like have like deep psychological pain so if you are aware that you are going through a struggle and something's wrong and you can't quite put your finger on it it might be worth exploring your gender to see if that might be one of the things that is causing you anguish. Another thing that I'd like to jump in and say is that I know when I went to my first bisexual conference, I got such a charge out of it. I met kindred spirits. I didn't feel like I was having to keep this secret anymore. I could be totally myself with other people being totally themselves and I tell you, the bi community is, and the gay and even mm-hmm. the trans communities, when they get together and share stories and party and mm-hmm. get together, the energy is so different than from mm-hmm. anything else I've ever experienced, and it can be so healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even things like Burning Man events or pagan festivals or any kind of alternative community like i can't tell you the number of times 
I've seen a guy like try on a sarong for the first time or try on a skirt for the first time and run around it in it. And like a lot of people at Burns, like there's a lot of cis guys who are definitely men who wear skirts. So like exploring like how like wearing dresses makes you feel isn't going to get you any weird looks out there and people will support you and actually they'll admire you <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and uh, like one of the nice resources at at some of the burn groups that we go to is a camp called burning glam which has a lot of different clothes that people donate for people to come and try on and wear and and keep so even if you feel weird going and buying your own dress somewhere, you know, it's an option for a place that you can go and pick up some clothes and wear them where you won't feel judged and get to keep them and bring them home and have something to wear later if it's something that you resonate with a lot. But I think it's also the just getting into the environment with kindred spirits Mm -hmm. and getting to know other people that share some of what you're into Mm -hmm. can be so liberating. I know Mm -hmm. I felt I was high, natural high for like um, two months after my first bisexual conference. Mm -hmm. And it was just so amazing. Now, back then, I didn't even know anybody else that was bisexual, hardly. Mm -hmm except for when I started the Binet Houston group. Mm-hmm. And it just was so liberating to be in a conference with hundreds of bisexuals mm-hmm. that were out and proud. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, I developed, that's where I think I first started developing my sense of being proud of who and what I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know that you... Almost didn't come back home. <laughs> yeah, I sat at the intersection of I-10 and <laughs> thought, do I want to go back or do I want to go on? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd like to move here. <laughs> yeah. Because it was just such an amazing experience, mm-hmm. and I felt like I'd, I'd finally found home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- there's any number of things that might provide that for you like it doesn't have to be by a conference or a burning man event or a pagan festival it might be any number of things trans that there are trans conferences mm-hmm. i mean it could also be D D group yeah. that you get along really well with yeah. like there's lots of renaissance festival or any any number of things like any group of people that you can really be yourself around can be very liberating, especially if you've never had it. It was very liberating back in the day when I'd go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show all dressed up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So there are places to find people that resonate with you. And I think of it as this is my tribe. Mm-hmm. These are this is my family of choice and and this is where I fit in the world. This is where I belong and it gave me a real sense of belonging and and being really 
accepted for who and what I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, any takeaways for coming up to the top of the hour? <laughs> I think that, like I said earlier, even if the conclusion that you come to is that you're you are actually cisgendered, that you feel comfortable in the body that you were born in, I think that it's healthy for pretty much everyone to really question their their gender and you know sexuality and all all the different things in that realm because if you come away from it and realize that you are cis and whatever and that you're comfortable then there's no harm but if you come out realizing that you're different than you thought you were it's a chance to really explore who you are and grow as a person and get comfortable with yourself there's no bad outcome mm-hmm. and i think i'd like to kind of stress the importance of this because think about it when a baby's first born one of the first questions asked is it a he or a she mm-hmm. <laughs> is it a boy or a girl mm-hmm. That question has so much importance in our identity and how we grow up and what we're socialized to be. Mm-hmm. And maybe we want a different pathway in our socialization. Maybe we don't want to be the what the doctor claimed we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can be a very amazing experience to really explore well, what is my real identity here? How do I identify? Mm-hmm. And answer that question. Am I really a boy? Am I a real boy? <laughs> or am I a real girl? I know a lot of people that, and some people that don't feel they're either boy or girl. Mm-hmm. Some I feel a little bit of both and neither. At the mm-hmm. same time, I'm something different. So it's good to explore these things, and really, I think it's helped me form my identity at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a good show tonight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I want to welcome you to enjoy those nocturnal admissions. Explore your bodies, explore your sex. Feel the amazing sexual experiences and reach greater heights of sexual ecstasy. It changes our thinking, it gives us those good chemicals, and helps us become more connected and fully balanced. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, 
but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>